This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Over the years, Dave and I have been fortunate to land some big fish. Now, we've caught our share of not-so-large fish. Especially you, Steve. (laughs) Well, that's true. But I'm thinking today about some of those big rainbows we've landed in the bear trap during the spring or an occasional monster brown in the lower Madison. What can we do to increase the likelihood of landing these big lunkers and keeping them healthy? Well, I'll say through the years that landing big fish or bigger fish have has stumped me. There are times when you get that fish that's 22 inches or 23 inches, at least you think it is, and and you simply can't land it. Now, some of it may be tackle. It might be that you've not tied your knot correctly, um, and that happens a lot. Yep. Or the you know the tippet you know breaks. Or but I think there are some techniques or tactical things that you can do to actually land more fish. And I think the first one is simply um, Gary Borger says keep the pressure on. Yep. And keep it constant and then use as much of your equipment uh, as it will allow. Obviously, it depends on your tippet size, and this requires keeping your line tight. You know, there's all these, yeah. at least in Twitter, everybody says, keep tight lines, right? Well, the yep. purpose of that is, right, to, to keep the fish on there. So, right, yes. Um, so mm-hmm. once you get a fish on, uh, reel in the extra line while keeping the line tight, then your reel will work for you, and I think that's the key, is, yeah. is letting your equipment actually do the work. Yes, absolutely. And make sure that your drag is set correctly on your reel so there is a right amount of resistance that actually is something I typically go oh no you know as soon as I'm I'm ca- I'm trying to land a fish I realize my drag is 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 not set correctly right and I bet new fly fishers may not realize that uh, you're you're adjusting your drag all the time during the day you know I, I I lighten it up a little bit when I'm casting but then when I get a fish on depending on how hard that fish is is fighting and yeah depending on whether I've got a really fine tippet. I mean, it's only three pound test or, uh, or if I have something bigger, then I'll, I'll set that drag so that it's, it's tighter, that, that the fish has to pull harder before line goes out, but you're constantly adjusting that. Well, you do need to be mindful of, of the tackle that you have and what you think you can and can't do in that moment. Everything's happening so quickly, but the drag is a big issue. It really is. You know, speaking of pressure, uh, Gary Borger also talks about using side pressure and and I've heard him talk about this in person but uh, he also talks about this in his book The Angler as Predator and this has been a huge uh, revelation for me Uh, what this does uh, side pressure means instead of just pulling the fish up uh, you're actually pulling them from side to side and and what that does is it works their muscles and it tires them out more quickly and and i i wonder how many fish uh, that i lost that i i wouldn't have lost if i would have known that 20 years ago Uh, i remember in fact it was about 19 years ago it was in uh, 1996 in the spring i was fishing on the the bear trap and and i hooked into a, a big trout never saw it but boy this thing 
thing fought. And for about a minute, I, I was just pulling up on, on the rod, pulling the fish toward me. And all of a sudden, it was in the spring, and so I, I suspect it was a rainbow because it just took off. And I, I've never had this experience before. This trout literally ran me into my backing. And I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize. I mean, I was a beginner, and I, I just thought, well, this is kind of cool. Well, it wasn't cool. I, I should have uh, I, I should have stopped this fish, but it kept running, and, and it ended up going around a big rock. You know the rock. Yeah, sure do. And uh, snapped me off. But I, I think back to that and realize, you know what? If I would have uh, forced that trout to go you know, side to side, because I had some time to do that, but after a while, he got tired of being pulled in, and uh, he got, well, I say he got tired of it. The problem was he wasn't tired. Uh, he got annoyed with it, but he wasn't worn out. And uh, by uh, pulling that fish from side to side, you know, you, you watch how trout, you know, move, you know, s- how, how their body flexes in the water. Yeah. Well, uh, those muscles, you get the, those to work by moving them side to side. Corollary to that, which is our next point, is not to play them too long so don't right. play them too long yeah that goes together that's why you do that side to side thing and i think part of it is conservation obviously yep. we don't want to mm-hmm. damage the trout in any way or when we return them to the river that they they die because we wore them out it also helps you with your success last summer uh steve and i were fishing the madison and um we had a friend with us and he watched me as i i just hooked into this really nice trout probably was the biggest trout of the day for me at least i don't think it was the biggest one for you it was a really nice trout and i was walking it down the river and um you're walking your dog (laughs) i was walking my dog down the river i lost it after probably about i don't know it wasn't 10 minutes it wasn't that long but maybe five minutes of, of of quote playing the fish and he said dave he said why didn't you just walk it to the shallows and and try to get it closest to the to the to the bank as possible instead i mindlessly just walked it downstream you know and trying to you know reel it in as i got more line and and um and so eventually it snapped off so i think the whole mindset ought to be that you try to uh net them as quickly as possible that's a good point. Uh, something else I would mention is uh, use the middle of your rod, not the tip section, when you're really trying to move a fish. Here's another one of those things I've learned from Gary Borger, and I wish I would have figured it out sooner, but uh, Gary's such a scientist and uh, you know has it all figured out, but you, you see pictures of uh, you know people catching fish and you know you're holding your rod high and and you know you're holding it straight up kind of a you know 90 degree angle from the the ground and that makes for a great photo op but problem is uh, well two things one is you can break your tip if that trout is really reefing on it the other thing is you're not going to be able to uh, move them uh, by by lowering your rod in other words if you have your rod straight up it's at a 90 degree angle just lower that to about a 45 degree angle so instead of pointing straight up to the sky maybe you're pointing to the the mountain or the horizon well then the fish is going to be working against the 
the middle section of your rod, not the tip section. And, and that's how rods are made to work. I mean, it's just a physics principle. Uh, so again, that high held rod may look cool, but it really does nothing. So make them fight against that mid section, you know, whether you're pulling them up, but even from side to side, you, you want them to be working against that middle section. The next point I think is that when you do get the fish uh, in close, uh, to net the fish head first. And I think it's important to note that uh, f- trout cannot swim backwards. So yeah. if the trout surges, uh, it goes into the net, not out of it, out of the net. Now, yeah. that's really harder to implement <laughs> when, you know, when you're, you're swirling out there and you're trying to, uh, you know, make sure you don't lose the fish as well as reach for your net. So it's harder to do in practice probably than, you know, talking on a podcast. Sure. Yeah. But, um, and of course the fish can go side to side, etc. But I do think the principle is net the head first. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And don't let the trout get tangled around your leg when you're trying to net them, especially when you're trying to help a buddy. And I've, I've shared a story before about uh, trying to help uh, my son Luke land a great big brown that he he hooked into. And of course, I was giving him all these instructions. And then I, I got up in that fish too quickly. It wasn't tired enough, played out enough, and he darted around my leg and <laughs> snap. You know, there it went. You know, the, the other thing too, Dave, Luke is, is going to be in therapy for that. Yeah, that's, that's years, right. Right, The I father. Who Have I ever done that to you? I'm oh, no, sure you haven't you caught have. any big fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually remember a couple times you had a great big rainbow on and I've done my best to mess up the situation. You know, this makes me want to go back to uh, the bear trap in the spring. That's right, it um, does. Kiss those big fat uh, spawners. I know. It's a good thing we're talking about this. We're going to have to remember these techniques. It's true. But hey, the other thing is, if if you don't have a net, this goes back to what you talked about before uh, with the shallow water. I mean, you you can beach a trout. Now, uh, be careful that you're not doing it on, on rocks, but find a place where you can bring a trout into the shallow area. And sometimes I've just... I've just brought them right up onto uh, the, the shoreline. There, there's places on both the Madison and the Yellowstone where you've got a, almost a little beach area. Maybe it's a little sand or or if, if it's grass, something like that. And that can work pretty effectively as well. well I think our final point today is, uh, is, more, is a conservation uh, a point, which is simply handle the trout carefully and release it as quickly as possible possible and begin by uh, wetting your hands. And I know it's it's a controversial topic. Some uh, don't uh, uh, want to take any photos. They kind of frown on that. But uh, I, I re- we realize there's a debate going on in the fly fishing community, but there are a lot of very conservation-minded fly fishers who do. And, and if you do, and, and we do that as well, if you want a photo, uh, hold that fish by its wrist. Uh, wrist meaning that second just ahead of the tail and then try to cup your other hand under its body just below the pectoral fins in other words just behind its head so uh, try not to squish the the soft belly and uh, pushing up on those organs that can really stress uh, a fish out in fact (laughs) I remember um, a fish that we posted on on Facebook a couple years ago that I caught and and there I am and somebody who I didn't know put under 
underneath there. Ah, the death grip. Because I had it, because a fish was moving and I, and I just yeah. grabbed it and squeezed it. And, and somebody commented and it was a good comment because it was a death yeah. grip and, and wasn't very, uh, uh, wasn't safe for the fish. Yeah, that's true. So I would say, you know, when you do release the fish, uh, is to hold the fish in the water while it gets its breath, um, just like a runner, you know, after a race. Yeah. And the bigger the fish, the longer this may take. And so, you know, when it's ready to sw- swim away, of course you'll know it. But I think it's it's not just dumping them back in the in the river, you know, just letting them flop out of your net, but just really helping them re-enter the their ecosystem. Yeah, and another thing that I've heard some guys say is to turn a fish upside down, and that creates some physical effects that that kind of salt that kind of calm the, the fish. But uh, you're right, hang on to that fish, and and sometimes I'll I'll just let go gently and and see if the fish goes. Sometimes I'll I'll do just a little bit of a shake on on the tail to see, and and sometimes boy, then a fish is ready to go. But uh, you're right, the the bigger the fish, too, the longer that you need to wait and just uh, uh, be patient for that fish to to get its bearings and to be ready to swim away. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you have any suggestions for landing big trout, maybe some things that we didn't cover, uh, please share them with us. Go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What has worked well for you when you've landed big trout or what have you learned from uh, some mistakes that you've made? Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and be sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. You'll need to download a, uh, an app from your smartphone, whether iTunes or if you're an Apple or uh, Stitcher for Droid. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.